I like to see you in your places with bright, smiling faces. <laughs> my teacher used to tell me that in school, I remember. I was sharing my, I uh, just signed up this morning for my 50th high school reunion. <laughs> that makes me old. Although some of you are saying, that's nothing, man. I remember that one. Well, I trust that you've had a great week. I've had a good week. It's been uh, uh, very busy for me, but uh, God is very gracious and gives us all that we need to make it through the week. We had a great men's meeting on Friday night and a good Wednesday meeting on prophecy. So I've had lots of opportunities to fellowship with other Christians. And if you haven't had that, this is yours this week. Uh, like to think of the church it's not for uh an evangelism station it's supposed to be a filling station for we as christians to come in and be refilled with the holy spirit and be revived and encouraged by others so i trust that you're here and ready to worship would you join me as we stand and open in prayer and then we'll begin with uh, our service with some great songs let's pray together Father, we do thank you for today. It's a gorgeous day outside. Each one of us, you've given us a brand new day. We woke up this morning. We recognize it's another day to live, another day to serve you. It's a Sunday, a first day of the week, when we remember that you rose from the dead and that you gave us forgiveness of sins and your spirit as a an earnest to guarantee that one day you're going to take us to live with you forever and we praise you for that thank you for the opportunity to come together for the family that you've made us the encouragement we can get from each other and spend time together for songs that are amazing that you have given men and women to put your word and the thoughts of worship into song that uh Help us to worship you and memorize your word. All of those things are amazing. We thank you for your word and another chance to come in and hear it as you have given Steve some thoughts this week on your word for each of us. Your, your, your word is living and powerful, and it's fresh every, every time we hear it. So we just pray that you'll have our hearts open this morning. Use the songs, use the worship service, everything that's done to glorify Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Steve reminded me, I didn't even watch any of it. Any of y'all watch the coronation yesterday? Ho-hum, whatever. Anyway, so, so they made some guy king of England, right? Put a little hat on his head, and everybody said, way to go. You're the king. Israel tried that. You know, real Israel was ruled by God, but they were dissatisfied with that. And they said, no, 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 we want a king to be over us. And they regretted it from the time that that happened. Eli, Samuel tried to tell them, but they didn't listen. And the Bible says that God raises kings up and he puts them down. He's in charge of this world and he allows men to be in charge of certain things. But he's the real king. He's the king of the universe. He's the king of our lives. And this is a great hymn to remind us of that. 
We don't uh, give any worship or praise to Charles or any other king. Uh, the only king we worship is God our Father and Jesus Christ His Son. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above, and gratefully sing His wonderful love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. O tell of His might, O sing of His grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space. His chariots of wrath, the deep thunder clouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. Thy bountiful care, what tongue can recite? It breathes in the air, it shines in the light. It streams from the hills, it descends to the plains, and sweetly distills in the dew and the rain. Frail children of dust, and feeble as frail, indeed do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end, our Maker, Defender, Redeemer, and Friend. I guess we have, there's a decent amount of songs in the hymnal, and this is a scripture song that teaches us the same thing, reminding us that uh, we are soldiers in the army of God. We are fighting a battle every day of our lives. And we have to remember we're not fighting against flesh and blood and we're not fighting in our own power or in our human strength. Everything that we do for God and every victory we have comes through the power of His Holy Spirit working through us and giving us a victory. Second Corinthians 10, 3-5 is a great Verses that talk about that. Though we're walking in the flesh, we're not walking, warring by the flesh, but our weapons are heavenly ones. Though we walk in the According to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up 
against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Thank you. you. May be seated. Thinking about those verses, that's I sure am glad it's not up to me and my strength to try and win the battle and do the fighting because I'd be in a whole heap of hurt and Galatians 6, 9, uh, another reminder, um, I guess when I got to teach last week, I was talking about Noah and his perseverance of building that boat and stuff. Sometimes I get a little tired at work. I don't know about you, but I get tired. I get a little weary. But I know that God is rewarding me for what I do, and so that helps me to keep pressing on and not give up, not quit. Don't get, don't get weary in doing good. If you, in due time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Do not grow weary.
Bible tells us to live for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself. And it's a great comfort in knowing that every day God walks with us, protects us, delivers for us from evil, provides for everything we need. And he is our father, almost like the idea of just holding your hand and walking along with us everywhere we go. Day by day, strength I find to meet my trials here. Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure, Gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure. Mingling toil with peace and rest. Every day the Lord himself is near me. With a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is Counselor and Power, the protection of his child and treasure, is a charge that on himself he laid. As thy days thy strength shall be in measure, this the pledge to me made. Help me then in every tribulation, so to trust thy promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith, sweet consolation, offered me within thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take as from a Father's hand. One by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, there to take as from a father's hand. One by one, the days, the moments pleading, till I reach the promised land. One more before uh, Steve comes up to share from the Word. A truth that I don't think any of you have to be 
uh, told or reminded that we have a good, good Father. Everything, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. He lavishes on us His mercy and His grace just because He loves us. He's a good, good Father. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. You tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide because you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who it's who you are, I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Cause you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Do us love so undeniable I can I can hardly speak peace so you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still into love 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 you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are
Good morning. Today's reading is in the third chapter of Philippians, starting in the seventh verse. Please feel free to follow along in a Bible you brought yourself, or one we have in the pews, or just feel free to be blessed by listening. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I also, which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God, in Christ Jesus. Father God, help us to hold on to the help us to hold on to the things of this world with an open hand. Help us to see the value of Christ, which is far greater than anything this world has to offer. Remind us that we are not there yet. Help us to look to Jesus and help us as these verses say, press on toward the goal of knowing Christ more. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music, in the reading of your word, and the preaching of your word as well. Thank you for our pastor uh, who loves you, who loves us, and loves your word. I pray that you would put in Pastor Steve's mind and heart what you would have him teach us today and help us to have ears to hear and to take to heart uh, what is spoken. In your name we pray. Amen. morning. Good to see you all here. Hope Bible Church, glad you can be with us today. Indeed, it's a blessing to be together here in this place with each other, with the Lord, for his purposes, for his glory. I was thinking something happened last, just a couple stories here before we get going. Is, you might have heard about this, but they had something called Satan Con last weekend. It was a conference up, I think, Boston or someplace up there. Satan Conference is what it was, and I just saw a little clip of it on 
TV, but it was just really sad. There's a guy up there, and there's a lady up there, and, and they're shouting, Hail Satan. Okay. I said, man, this is sick. And then the lady took a Bible and started ripping it to shreds right in front of everybody. I said, wow, this is something. But, you know, there's evil out there. And as I said in the past, it's becoming more and more apparent. They're becoming more and more open. They're trying to do their Satan clubs in elementary schools. All these kinds of things are happening. So it's just, it's a sick world. That, the verse we sang there, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, your, uh, his weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortress. So here we are, hearing the word of God. And that's important that we're together. As for yesterday in the coronation, I walked just watched a little bit, and I'm not into it for the pageantry. I'm not in it for the glitz or the glitter, the fashion show. I'm not in it for that at all. I wanted. I, I was listening, and it was in Westminster Abbey, which is their, you know, that's like their church over there. And the Archbishop of Canterbury was saying all these things, and I was shocked, encouragingly shocked by the word of God, the verses that were being quoted one after another, after another, after another. Wow, this is good. And a little later on, I was reading from my Bible, and it's Luke 18, and it says, you know, it's harder for a rich man to go, you know, into heaven than see the eye of a needle. And I thought, well, you know, a lot of rich people. There's a lot of rich people in that room there. A lot of elites, a lot of money, a lot of power. You know, probably most of them aren't saved. But I thought, this is really good because the word's going out and people are watching this all over the world. The word of God. They, they, they're having their communion time and they're, you know, quoting verses talking about how, you know, that Jesus Christ died for our sins and for the full, complete, eternal remission of sins. As many amen. Preach it. That was really good. And so just verse after verse during this ceremony. So that was encouraging. We should be thankful, as Paul said in Philippians 1, for however the word of God goes out, uh, whatever it means, it's, it's a good thing. And, of course, our purpose here today is for God's word to go out. We, we come here, and you should come here, with an expectation of God blessing you, expecting God to bless you, expecting God to encourage you, expecting God to instruct you, whether that's through the preaching, whether that's through the, the music, whether that's through the fellowship. That's what God wants to do. He, 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 we just sang the song, Good, Good Father. He wants to show you his goodness today. He wants to instruct you. I know not how. God does. The Holy Spirit does. And I trust that this time here, there's a, I always have a lot to say. Sometimes you might think I have too much to say. I don't know. I just have a lot of thoughts, and I sort of cram them in, and you think, well, there's a lot there. Well, that's why I give you the handout. You can look at it later. But, but there is a lot to be said. And this subject today, of course, is an important one. We're taking some time these past few weeks to talk about Jesus Christ, who he is, and your relationship with Jesus Christ. And, of course, this is by far your most important relationship and so we want to take some more time to talk about this. First, we're going to talk about the knowledge of Christ. When I say that we're not just talking about your head knowledge. Indeed, you have to know in your mind, your head, things about Christ. But we're talking about the translation of that by God's power and spirit to your heart. Heart knowledge. Which really, when we talk about knowledge of Christ, we have to see that what that really means. Most times, not saying every time, most times in the Bible, is you say knowledge of Christ, it means your relationship with Christ. Okay? It's your relationship with Christ. That's what we're talking about. So with that, let's turn first to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, 15 to 17, part of Paul's prayer here. Three, three or four things he prays for, but this is the first thing, and this is most important. Ephesians 1, verse 15. 
For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you making, while making mention of you in prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So there's that prayer. It's a great prayer. It's the kind of prayer that, you know, pray for ourselves. We should pray for others. He's talking about your relationship with Christ. We're to pray, you're to pray about growing in the knowledge of Christ. And this, again, then means you know who Christ is. It has to start with that, knowing who Christ is, that he is. Jesus is your Lord. He is your Savior. He is the one who is your friend, your brother. He is the coming judge. He is the coming king. So we have to understand that your, your knowledge of Christ, your relationship with Christ has to foundationally be based on understanding who he is. It also means knowing his character. I believe I mentioned this last week, Matthew eleven twenty eight says that Jesus is gentle and humble. Philippians 2, 1 says that he is loving, affection, and compassionate. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 talks about how he is just and righteous. And then we go to Revelation 7, says that Jesus is wise and powerful. And there's much more than that. But this is so, so important. When we think about this subject, I mean, there's so many subjects we can talk about as Christians, but this one here, knowing Christ is, is foundational. It's fundamental. It's absolutely necessary for our life. Like what Jeremiah said in that verse, I just mentioned a couple of things, but go back to Jeremiah 9, 23, and what Jeremiah says, Let not the rich man boast of his riches. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not the, the, you know, the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows and understands me. That's what we should be excited about. That's what we should boast in, that we have this relationship with the living God, with Jesus Christ, his son. That's where it's at. So we're talking about how you're to have this knowledge of Christ, this relationship with Christ. Second, you're to love Christ. And knowing Christ is the key to loving Christ, knowing who he is knowing what he is like, his character, and then knowing what he does. Three things, real simply. Those are all huge points, who he is and what he's like and what he does. Ephesians 5.1 says, Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. And, of course, you know that Christ greatly loved you by dying on the cross for you, says God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's probably the biggest, most important demonstration of his love. But we, he still loves us. You know, I, I was amazed by that verse in, in Romans 8 where it says he's, Jesus is praying for us. And it doesn't say if he's praying for us all the time, but I think it's a lot. <laughs> I mean, that should encourage you. Jesus himself is praying for you today. And, of course, we also know other things. He's always being kind. He's always being compassionate and always being forgiving towards you. And, of course, the fact that the Lord is always, always loving you all the time. And this is what we should do, too. And, of course, I think we all know that we're very far from that. None of us here would say that we love Christ all the time. But that will happen. That will happen in the kingdom to come. We're glorified with the Lord. It will. And that will be an encouraging thing to be loving him all the time, just as he loves us all the time. Mark 12:30 says, you're to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Those four different aspects of how to love him. And so we need to love him. We need to be thankful. We need to be honoring. We need to be praising. That's, that's a huge, huge part of loving God is just our worship of him. And, of course, too, we show our love by obeying him. That's what we are to do. So the third point is we're talking about your knowledge of Christ. We're talking about loving Christ. Here we're next talk about growing in Christ. 
Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him. You've heard the phrase, you need to grow up. Yeah, you need to grow up. We all need to grow up. We need to grow up. And this is our life. And, and it's not like, you know, you, you have some child and he grows up and when he's 18, 19 or 20, whatever you want to say, he's an adult. No, this is growing up is, is a lifetime thing. And, of course, we could say that there is an aspect, and the Bible talks about this, where there is a, we are grown-ups as Christians. We become adults and we become mature. That there, there is that truth there. And so your relationship with Christ is not supposed to stay the same. That's what we, we do know. Your relationship with Christ is not to get stale or stagnant. Not at all. You're to keep growing in Christ. You're to keep loving him. You're to keep getting to know him more and more and more. That's what is so, so important. I think of my wife and I, you know, we've been married, what, 37 years. And, you know, it's been a good relationship. You know, not perfect, but it's been very good. And I, I thank the Lord for how he's helped us through the years to love each other, to keep growing in our relationship with him. And that's what he wants, and only much, much more so with, with him. And so with Christ, then, you're to get to know him better and better. There's another phrase. I mentioned how you can have these equivalent phrases, knowledge of Christ, relationship with Christ. There's one more. It's eternal life. John 17, 3, a verse I've quoted so many times here. Eternal life is this, that you know God and Jesus Christ. So you have eternal life, knowledge of Christ, relationship with Christ, really all meaning the same thing. But when you think about eternal life, eternal life lasts how long? Simple. Forever. Eternally. It's an obvious, obvious answer. So you have this relationship with Christ that lasts forever and ever and ever, and you're to keep growing in this relationship with Christ. We get to be with the Lord in heaven, kingdom to come, millennial kingdom, eternal kingdom. You'll keep growing in your relationship with Christ. I personally don't believe it's a matter why you get up to heaven, and now you know and you have this perfect relationship. You'll have a perfect relationship, but you're going to grow in that, whatever that means. For all eternity, you're going to be having this eternal life of growing in your relationship with Christ. Fourth, you're to be trusting Christ. John 14, 1 says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in also in me. That is, you're to have faith in Christ. You're to keep believing in Christ. And, of course, of course, you know this, that God designs your life so that you need him. So you need to depend on him, on the Lord, for love and for power and for peace and for wisdom and for leading all these things. If you don't have these things that God wants to freely give you, you'll be troubled. You'll get anxious. You'll be worried. If you, if you have problems in your life, fundamentally, most often, it's because your relationship with God isn't quite right. Okay, you can say, well, it's this problem over here, this person over here, it's this trial that happened. It's fundamentally a relational problem with, with God, with Christ, okay? And you need to understand that. You need to see that. So if you're troubled, discouraged, whatever, say, Lord, help me out here. Is there something amiss? Are we not clicking right? You know, it's not, of course, him. It's, it's you. It's, it's, it's your relationship with him. And so God wants you to have faith. And next week we're going to start talking about our faith in Christ. And it's very, I'm really fascinated by this study, looking at the Gospels and faith. But, but I, I looked, saw four things here, and I'll just mention them briefly, and you, we'll talk more about them in the next few weeks. But we talk about faith in the Gospels. There's four things. First, a person has no faith. Second, a person has faith. Third, there's a person with little faith. And fourth, a person with great faith. Now, if you're not a Christian, you have no faith. If you're a Christian, you've got faith. You know, whether that's a little faith or great faith or just faith, okay, someplace in there. But that's important. God is very concerned, wants this for each of you here to have this, this faith. 
One more point on this is you go to John 15, 1 through 8. It's, it's a great section of verses. The only one really like it in the Bible is talks about abiding in Christ. Some versions say remaining in Christ. And abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ just means you're trusting him. That's all it is. It's another picture of faith. If you're abiding, you're trusting, you're believing, you're, you're you know, just depending on the Lord for his life that he wants to give you. Fifthly, We've talked about knowing Christ, loving Christ, growing in Christ, trusting Christ. Now we're going to be talking about walking with Christ. Ephesians 4 once says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have received. It's said other places about walking with Christ. This is a, let me take a little more time on this point right here. A number of things that need to be said about walking with Christ. First of all, there's a purpose in walking with Christ. You have a purpose. There's a, there's a reason you're walking with Christ. There's, there's direction. There's a destination. Okay, that that must understand. We we think of you all. All of you, I assume, at times go shopping. You go to the grocery store. You're walking up and down the aisles, getting what you want. Sometimes it's just a quick trip. You go in and you get two or three things. Sometimes it's a longer trip. You're there for 30, 40 minutes, maybe longer. You're walking, picking up what you need. You all understand that. It's purposeful. But I was thinking the example. You, you've heard about Enoch. It's, it's talked about in Genesis 5 also in Hebrews 11. It says he walked with God. And he had this, man, what a glorious picture. This Enoch walked with God. It's just, it, it sort of should help elevate your own thinking. I want to be walking with God like Enoch walked with God. And of course, everybody's living about 9,900 9, years, and he lived to only 365, so God took him. But then you go to Jude and turn to Jude. This is right before the book of Revelation. And, 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 and you see here what this walking with God meant in terms of purpose. It's, it's, you just have to see this. We don't always put Enoch with this, but this is part of his life. Now, Enoch was a great-grandfather of, of Noah. And you know the kind of world Noah lived in, right? It was pretty messed up. It was pretty messed up and pretty sinful. Well, the sin had been going on for years, and I'm sure that Enoch saw it too. So we look here in... Jude 14, is it 14? 14 and 15. It was also about these men that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. You're not going to find any of the verse that has ungodly so many times. It was a bad place when Enoch lived, he was a preacher of righteousness. That was his purpose. I mean, I'm sure he did other things, but that's part of what he did. He was walking with the Lord, but God had given him a purpose. And as he was walking with God, he was carrying out that purpose. Let's continue. We're talking about walking with Christ. Second point on this walking with Christ is you go step by step. You all understand this. When you walk, you take one step at a time, right? might be a small step or a big step. You take one step at a time, one step after another. And every day you're walking, right? Every day you're walking, going someplace, taking physical steps. Some of you guys have a counter. You know how many steps you take, you know, 5,000 a day or 10,000, whatever. We're talking spiritually walking, not physically walking. We're talking about spiritually walking, taking spiritual steps every day. I was thinking of, of different people in the Bible. I was thinking of Abraham, he's talked about in Genesis 12 to chapter 12 to 25. And, and, and so when you look at those, and I'm not going to 
give examples now here, but when you look at those pages of Scripture that talk about Abraham, you see all these different things he did, all these different steps he took for the Lord. Just amazing. Steps and steps and steps. And so, too, in your Christian life, there's different steps, different steps that you'll take. It might be a small step, or so it might be a bigger step, but you're all taking steps. So you understand your life as a Christian, you're taking steps. And this walking, then, implies continuous action. You're taking steps. You keep walking. You're not stopping every few minutes, right? I'm not saying you can't stop if you're walking physically, but in general, you're walking, you keep walking. And so, too, in the Christian life, it's not a matter of starting and stopping. You're continually walking and walking and walking week after week and month after month and year after year until you get to heaven. That's, that's it. So you think about this. This is my life. One way of thinking, I'm going to be keep walking with Christ until the day I die, then I go to heaven. That's one way to see it. I, I like how Psalm 84, 7, it says they go from strength to strength until each of them appear before God in heaven. And so in your life as a Christian, you're taking these steps, you know, and God's given you the strength to take these steps. You're going from strength to strength until you appear before God. That's one way then to think about our lives. Fourth, we're talking about walking with Christ. Now, in, in a physical sense, you, you know, might think about, oh, I'm going to walk by myself today, physically. I mean, I was coming to church today, and this happens probably every Sunday. I see people walking, walking. This young lady was walking on the sidewalk, you know, getting her morning exercise in. You know, she was walking, but she was by herself. So it made me think, this is an interesting thought. Okay, all these people who are walking out there by themselves, are they walking with the Lord or not? You know, what's, the, the spiritual, what's their spiritual life like? And so we're to walk, one's walking with Christ. And as a Christian, then you're not to walk by yourself. You're not to be a loner, but you're to walk with Christ. Now, we know that Christ wants to walk with you, and Christ does, in fact, walk with you. But you, you need to be one who is aware of his presence and be wanting then to walk with him. And, and of course, God's not going to force you. Again, now, God, through Christ and the Holy Spirit, is always with you. We understand that. But the idea is, is you need to have in this your, your mindset, you're thinking, I, I want to be walking with Christ today. That's what I want. That's what I want. These verses here, Psalm 73, nevertheless, I'm continually with thee. So as Christians, we're always with the Lord. We're always with him through the Spirit. It says, says, you've taken hold of my right hand. And of course, if somebody's taking your right hand, you're walking with them, right? He's taken hold of my right hand, and he guides me. He'll guide me with his counsel. He's speaking to me. He's walking with me. He's speaking to me. Then afterwards, he'll take me to glory. Four important points about your life there. Psalm 73, 23, and 24. And so the idea of walking with the Lord, it is so, so powerful. This is what, what God wants. As a family, traditionally, and I think pretty much do it every time, after Thanksgiving meal, uh, that whatever Thursday that is in November, and then after our, our Christmas meal. Okay, let's all go for a walk. You know, we're all a little filled up with food. We all take a walk. We, you know, four or five, six of us in the family or seven, however many it is, and we walk around the block. Okay? It's a long block, and we just walk. And this is a good thing. So you understand the idea of walking. You've all walked with people before. We're talking here about walking with Christ. This is the most important walk that, 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 that God has for you. Now, walking with Christ, then, of course, relates to what we've talked about before. It means you're getting to know Christ you're walking with him, and as you're walking with him, you're getting to know him. And so think about this. You're going through the day, and you're walking with Christ, and you want to get to know him. That's part of what we're, we're, we're saying here. It means you're, 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 you're learning more about him. That's what's happening. It also means you love Christ, and you love walking with him. 
you know you have this relationship with Christ, this friendship with Christ, and you desire then, man, I want to walk with Christ. And, and, and again, you, you, you understand this point here. You think about people, and yeah, there's certain people you really want to walk with. Well, most importantly, you should want to walk with Christ. You know he loves you. And so it means then you're growing in Christ too. That is, walking with Christ then, as I said this before, is to be a growing thing. It means you're, you're becoming stronger, spiritually speaking. You're maturing. You're becoming a grown-up Christian. So walking with Christ means you love Christ. It means you get to know him. It means you're growing up as a Christian. And it means you trust Christ. And I've said this before, but, it, but you, you trust Christ because he's leading you on this walk. He's leading you in life. And we talk about Christ walking with you. Then when I say leading, it doesn't mean he's walking ahead of you, but he's with you. And, and, and he's telling you what he wants you to do. He's showing you to walk in this way or that way. And then by God's grace, you're learning then to do what he wants you to do. Again, this is important. You think about your life, you go through life and think today you want to walk with Christ and you want to be sensitive to him and the spirit leading you in the way that he wants you to go. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says you're to walk by faith. We've talked about this, not by how you feel. I'm not saying you can't have feelings. I have feelings sometimes spiritually speaking and they're wonderful from the Lord. They're really encouraging, but I don't depend on them, okay? You walk by faith not by sight. That is, you're to keep trusting Christ, and if you're trusting Christ, that means you're trusting his word. You can't separate, you can't divorce your trust in Christ from trusting his word. They go together, okay? And, and that, that's important. So you trust in Christ, depending on him then as you go through the day. And this means, like I said before, that you're walking with a purpose. You're walking someplace spiritually speaking. It means you're taking one step after another. And of course, walking with Christ means there's communication, right? You're talking to him and he's talking to you. He's telling you what he's thinking. You're telling what you're thinking. And this communication then results in unity. I understand that was my wife. If we don't talk, there's not going to be the practical unity that we need to have in our relationship and our marriage. But walking with Christ means you're communicating. You're talking and you're listening. And oftentimes the listening is because you're listening to the truth of his word. It's not just a matter, again, how you feel or what you sense, but there's the truth in, 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 in the word that he gives you. Amos 3.3 says, do two men walk together unless they are in agreement? Again, the whole thought about walking with the Lord and we're united with him. Next, Psalm 119.1 says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. What I'm saying here is that this walk means walking with Christ, but you're walking according to the law of the Lord. We walk with Christ who are one, we're walking in accordance with his word. And one way then to know for walking with Christ is, is to be living by God's word, to be living in accordance with the truth of God's word. That's key. So that's why, you know, I've said this so many times, but the Psalm 1 verse, the Joshua 1 verse about meditating on God's word day and night, that's a key part. I mean, if you go through the day and the word doesn't ever touch your mind, your soul, then you're going to miss the word of, of God has got to be part of your everyday living. Those thoughts, those truths that you're thinking about, whatever it might be, uh, is so, so key then to be walking with the Lord. So this is the point here. Make it your goal to be walking with Christ more and more. He's with you. Just, hey, I want to walk with you. That's what I want to do. Walking with Christ in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. And we had that verse I, Jeff read. I really like that. Um, 
forgetting what lies behind, we press on. So let's say, hey, a morning, it wasn't a good morning walking with the Lord. You were doing pretty bad, you know. Well, okay, forget it. Let's move on. I love that truth. Forgetting what lies behind. You know, the afternoon, not so good. Well, let's get to the evening time. Okay, you know, maybe the whole day was bad. Well, forget it. <laughs> Next day is better, you know. So I'm just saying that it's an important thing. We are people. We are fallible. We make mistakes. We sin. And we need to know that we are ones that are forget because we're forgiven. And as you do this then, as you walk with the Lord, you'll be a joyful Christian. You'll be encouraged. You'll be thankful. You'll be one then who is, 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 is fruitful. Well, the next major point, I've talked about four now. I just talked about walking with Christ. Took some more time in that point. But this next one is working for Christ. You're doing what Christ wants you to do. Romans 1.1, 1, 1. Paul, Paul's writing, he says, Paul was a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Paul calls himself a bondservant of Christ. The word bondservant, and it's not typically in our modern languages correctly translated. It really means slave, and it's because of our culture. You know, the whole slave culture, the African, African Americans, you know, all that's going on. So they don't use that, okay? I mean, other versions do, but it's just not a common translation. But that's what it really means. It means, as Christians, we then are ones who are slaves of Christ. And, of course, Paul then saw Christ as his master. What he's saying here is he saw himself as his slave. And a slave of one, of course, was to do whatever, uh, you know, the master wanted. And no questions asked. That's the way it was supposed to be. And so here's Paul then. He sees himself as a slave. There's another word for servant, different, two different Greek words. The, the word here is slave. In many other places he uses this word slave. He saw himself as one who's a slave, not as... Not as a servant, not as a nine-to-five, nine-to-six day laborer, but one who's 24-7. That's the whole idea of, of what that means to be a slave. And so an important question for you this morning is this. Is, 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 do you see yourself as a servant or a slave? I mean, I mean that, that whole understanding and, and your, your conviction about that it will change your life. It really will. I'm, I'm not just a day laborer for Christ, not just once in a while. I'm, I'm full-time, 24-7 middle of the night, you know, if something happens, you pray for something in the morning, whatever, you're always to be one who is then working for Christ. Colossians 3.24 and 5 says, whatever you do, do your work with all your heart, for it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And this is an important point. It's a, it's a point of emphasis here. It goes along with the last point, is that you have to see that you're serving Christ, okay? As a Christian, then you're serving Christ. You're a slave of Christ. And, and, and some of you may have some kind of physical job, may have some kind of employer. And, of course, as, as, as a good Christian, you're to do what your employer wants you to do, unless it's just absolutely wrong and can't do it. But you're to do what he wants you to do. Okay? You understand that. But, but, but ultimately so, and this is what Colossians 3 is saying here, is that ultimately so, you are serving Christ. You're working for him. And that really changes even how you approach work. Man, you're working for this employer, you're doing him, but... Bottom line, you're obeying the Lord. And it's, it's a similar example with a, a wife. And you go to Ephesians chapter 5, 22 to 33. It talks about how the wife is to submit to her husband, to respect him. You know, you understand that. But, but, but the preceding verse, I think it's verse 21, is talking about the husband and the wife are to be ones who are fearing God. That is ultimately so the wife, the woman, is to be submitting to Christ. And, and the, the way she shows that is by submitting then to her husband. Very, very Important that you see that. And, of course, as we said before in Colossians 3, you're to wholeheartedly serve Christ, energetically, with enthusiasm. And 
Sometimes that's hard as we get a little older. You don't feel like you're enthusiastic, but it's by God's grace in your heart and your spirit. And how that works out physically is a, it's a different thing at times. Philippians 3.12, which I've read this too, says, Paul was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I, I love the terminology. was laid hold of by Christ. That is, Paul knew that God had chosen him, had picked him, had laid hold of him for a particular purpose. Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God planned beforehand. And so you're to see yourself then as one who is working for Christ, doing what Christ wants you to do. And, 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 and it's amazing, that verse there, uh, it just, just sort of blows me away, is that you said, this is work that I've planned out for you since eternity past. I mean, do you think about that? The work that God has for you today and this week is what he's thought about since eternity past. He's determined ahead of time. And I, I, I said this in the past, but that motivates me. He says, oh, man, if, if you would determine way, way in the past, then what is it? <laughs> what is it you want me to do today? And we should have that kind of attitude, that kind of prayer, that kind of thinking. Lord, I want to know what you want me to do today and then do it. You see? And, and you have that. He'll, he'll show you. He'll make, make it clear. And I said this before. Sometimes I'm, I'm going through and, and, and all of our days look different than everyone else. We're all unique people here, but I go through the day and 11, 12 o'clock, Lord, what do you want me to do now? And I'll have this little prayer time. That it's prayer time really can help. And, and you're praying to the Lord and say, Lord, show me, Spirit, Lord. And, and without, I mean, it just happens again, always like this, is he'll impress on my mind or my spirit that this is what I want you to do. And so if, if you have a heart that's willing to do what God wants and you tell him you're willing and you say, show me, he will show you. It's really an encouraging thing to, to walk with, with the Lord in that way and be led by him by his spirit as to what he wants you to do. And so so we're talking then about working for Christ. This next one here, you're obeying Christ. is very similar to working for Christ, but this just means you're not doing your own thing. And, and I've got to watch this because I've told you this in the past. I'm the kind of person I, you know, I make lists, okay? I've, I've already made a list for today. You know, I've got my 10, 15 things in this list for this Sunday after I get home got to be careful because I'm not to do what I want, but what does God want, okay? So that's, that's important. So however you plan your days to do your work, just say, Lord, I want to do what you want. I want to obey you in the way that you want me to follow you. In, in Luke 18, 8 rather, 19 and 21, it says, my, Jesus talking, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Do it. That's so important. And so this goes along with working for Christ. If you're working for Christ, then you're obeying him. You're doing what he wants you to do. So you need to think of your life like this. Am I doing today what God wants me to do? And that just means you're obeying him. And it's a wonderful thing. And sometimes this word obedience is, has got a bad rap, you know. Oh, it's not good to obey. No, it's great to obey the Lord. Because if, if you're not obeying him, then who or what are you obeying? Your own flesh or somebody else's thoughts or ideas? You don't want to be obeying Christ. And so then, as you're walking with Christ, you're talking to Christ, and he's telling you what he wants you to do. And, of course, then he, being with you, being the Lord, will give you the strength to do what he wants. You guys know, this, know the, the picture, I believe, Matthew eleven twenty eight, about being yoked up with Christ. And, and maybe you've seen that. You know, I've all seen the pictures of, you know, two animals, you know, whether oxen or cattle or whatever, and they're yoked together. And we are yoked with Christ. We are working with him. And so you should never think that, 
life is hard in a sense because he's always with us. He'll always give us the grace then to do what he wants us to do. And that, that goes to the next point, seventh point here. It means you have the power of Christ. Ephesians 1.19 says, talks about the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Second Corinthians 12.9 says, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. God lets us be weak. God lets us have trials. So even this morning I was thinking, you know, Lord, I don't feel really go, go, and get up and really energetic. I don't feel. He says, you got to give me some strength today. And I'm sure that might happen to you too. You get up in the morning, you don't feel like you got all the gumption you want to have or the energy you want to have physically speaking, and, but God will give you the strength. He'll give you the strength spiritually speaking, physically speaking. He will give you what you need. But the thing is, and you know this, God lets us be weak. God lets us have trials, so we turn to him, so we trust him. You all, you all know that. If you're weak, okay, Lord, help me. Help me. So you trust him, so you look to him, and then he gives you the strength that you need to do what he wants you to do. Ephesians 6.10, this verse you know, be strong in the Lord, the strength of his might, put on the full armor of God. And so God, that's a command. God commands you to be strong in him so that you can be and do all that he wants. It's a command to be strong in him. Philippians 4.13, you know the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you can never say you don't have enough power to do what God wants you to do, that you can't do what he wants you You can. If he wants you to do something, he'll give you the strength. Okay, that's, that's, if he doesn't, he won't. And so if, if Christ then wants you to do something, he'll give you all the, the power to do it. The verse in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to his power that works within us. So you can do whatever the Lord wants because of his power, his spirit that is working in you. Next point is life is not about you. Okay, we, we understand this. It's about Christ. I like how it says in Colossians 3.3, 3, it says your life is hidden with Christ in God. So Christ is to be seen. Life is not about you being seen. It's about Christ being seen in and through you. You all know this. We, we live in this culture, this um, social media culture and you look at me and something online and how many clicks or views does that person get, you know, it's just, it, it, I, I heard the survey, and I can't remember the numbers, but they were surveying Chinese people and American people and asking these Chinese young people, the students, I believe, well, what do you want to do? I want to be a programmer. I want to be a chemist. You know, I want to, it's more related to the science field. These are Chinese. You know, one of the lead responses was for the American answer. I want to be a social media influencer. I'm serious. They, they see all these things. You know, all, the, you know, all these young people, they're on their phones. They're seeing this all the time, whether it's TikTok or Instagram, whatever it is, they're seeing all this stuff. It's not it. These, these four words, I've said them before, but these are the word, how I say it, Luke 6, 24, 26. Because these words, I think, typify the American culture as much as any. Four words, okay. Again, they're not there in the, your, your version, but this is what's said. Fun, food, fame, fortune. What do people want in this country? They want fun. Let's do some fun things this weekend. Let's have some good food. Let's go out to the restaurants, okay? Fame. I want to be popular. I want to be known. Fun, food, fame, and fortune. I want to have money, okay? That's, that's really sums it up, that Luke 6, 24, 26. So please understand that. Life isn't about you and what you want. Philippians, turn to Philippians 1, 21 to 24.
21 to 24, Paul says, For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm to go on, to live on in the flesh. This will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I'm hard-pressed from both directions. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Boy, they're good verses. You know what this is saying? What this is saying is, is we, we read here about Paul, read about Christ, and, 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 of course, Christ's main purpose in this world is people, right? That was Paul's main purpose. And that should be our main purpose, too. But he talks about this conflict, this battle, you know, hard-pressed from both directions. And the fact of the matter is, is really simple. It'd be better for each one of you here today, if you died, went to heaven. It'd be better. That's what it's saying. I mean, what does Ecclesiastes 7 1 says? Better is a day of a person's death than the day of his birth. That's pretty clear. Why is it better to die than be born? I mean, we celebrate people being born. That's a good thing, but it's a life of trouble. It's a life of difficulty. It's a life of sin. It's heartache. It's not easy. You've all been around enough. You've seen that. Much better for you to die. Much, much better. But it's better for others that you stay here and live for them. So if you're alive today, you're here for others, okay? You know that. But, but so it's, it's, on one hand, I don't, I don't watch how I say this. It's not wrong that, to, you know, Lord, I'd like to go home. I'm not talking about suicide. I'm just talking about, you know, that desire to be with Christ. That's a good desire. That was a desire Paul had right here, okay? But again, you remember, you're here. You're still alive. You get up every day, and you still can, you know, take that step forward and move along. You're here for others. That's what it's for. That's, that's what we need to understand. Tonight, your hope is in Christ. First Thessalonians 5, 9 says we will live together with Christ. Other verses, John 14, 1, will be with Christ. And so we think about our future and the hope that God gives us. We must say that our primary, primary hope is to be with Christ. Okay, that's, that's it. It's about Christ. That should be far and above every other aspect. We talk about, hey, you're going to be glorified and have a perfect body. You're going to see other believers in heaven. And, you know, you'll be in a heavenly home and all these other things. It's a wonderful thing. But by far, it's being with Christ, okay, the one who loves you more than anybody else. So this should be your heart. I don't know where your heart's at this morning. God knows. But might you have this hope? And I want to be with Christ. And, and, and part of what I'm saying here today is, 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 is we all want to grow in our relationship with him. Maybe your relationship with Christ isn't quite what it needs to be. Because if I'm saying things and you don't have the desire to walk with Christ or be with Christ or obey Christ and something's not clicking, say, God, change me. Help me out here. Okay. I don't have that real desire to be with Christ. I really want to be with Christ. Like Paul said in Philippians 1, then pray. God wants to change you because this is where it's at. This is what he wants for you. And, of course, you get to heaven, you're going to see Christ. I mean, you're going to see him. His face, his hands, his sides, you'll see him. You'll see his smile for you. You'll talk to him. You'll worship him. You'll love him. You'll serve him. You'll obey him. You'll have fellowship with him. That's unbelievable. You'll be one who has experienced his, his love like you've never, ever experienced it before. So it's just a wonderful thing, being with Christ. You'll see him because God the Father is not seen. Some people might debate that. I think it's pretty clear you go to... Where's that verse at? In Timothy, I think. The Father's unseen. But you see God in that. You see Jesus Christ. That's what's going to happen. Tenth, you need to get 
time alone with Christ, you know, the verse I've shared many times in the past, Luke 10, the end of the chapter there, 40, 39, 42, about Mary. She was sitting at Jesus' feet, and she was having this special alone time with Christ. That's what she was doing. And this is what you need to convince of this, okay? That time alone where you're listening to Christ, you're reading his word, where you're praying, where you're enjoying fellowship with him, all these things, all these different aspects of your relationship. You need that, okay? I mean, if somebody asks me, you know, what's, what's been in your, you know, 50-plus years of being a Christian, what's the most important thing? Well, I'd say it's God and Christ. I'd say all that, but I'd say the single most important thing that I've done is I've got time with Christ on a regular basis. That's it. That's it. That's it. Every day. I mean, I miss some days, but 99, well, up, our, up there. I mean, I'm just, I'm just convinced of the importance, and I don't see how people, Christians, don't have that time. I'm not saying it has to be exactly in the morning, but that's the best time for me. I think that's good for all of us here. And at times, and, and I will take walks at night, a little easier for me than Marcia because she doesn't want to go out at night in the dark by herself. But I'll take walks at night, you know, and prayer times during the day. But getting that alone time with him is so, so, so important. Turn to um, Psalm 42. Forty-two, one and two. I think we have a song like this, don't we? About the deer. Okay. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And this doesn't mean, of course, we, we know you can talk to God any time, but I think in this alone time, it's important where you're isolated. I mean, Jesus himself, what does it say? He often disappeared into the wilderness to get alone time with God. Mark 1, 35, early in the morning while still dark, Jesus got up, went to a lonely place and prayed. And so he did it. You know, that was in the morning when it wasn't busy. Early in the morning, still dark, went out to a lonely place and prayed. Okay. He wanted, he'd go up to the mountaintops. It's long, long time up there. Okay. We, we know these things, but this is our example. Psalm 63, this other one. You know these verses too. 63, 1 and 2. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My soul yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Again, the seeking the Lord, time with him, a special carved out time where there's no distractions, no noise, no nothing. I mean, I've, I've got, I mean, I get my time in the porch, but I've also got my, my ear things. In fact, I got new ones because the old ones didn't work so good. These are really good. So if there's neighbor noise or lawnmower or something, I don't like noise. I mean, I like to hear the birds and sing, and I, that's fine. But I don't like other noise. And so I'll get these things on. It's quiet. <laughs> I like that. I need that kind of quiet. Finally, what are some keys to knowing Christ and growing in your relationship with him? First, you need to desire to know Christ be like Paul who said, I want to know Christ, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that desire. Maybe the desire is not there. If the desire is not there, then two is applicable. You need to get rid of idols. Get rid of, rid of idols that may want, need to be living a holy life. It says in, in um, I think this is a different, I'm not sure, this isn't a New American, I think, but this is NIV. Jonah 2, I think verse 9 says, Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. It's so easy to cling to worthless idols, you know. For sports people, you know, there's the 
NHL hockey leagues going on, you know, the championship, the finals and stuff. There's the NBA, they got all those games. And if you're a Rays fan, the Rays are off to their best start ever. But don't trust in any sports team. Don't trust in the Rays. You'll get disappointed. You'll be disappointed by anything. So the whole point is, is you need to have the Lord centered in your heart. And with that, you need to read his word. This third point, read his word. Let him speak to you through his word. Fourth, you need to worship him. Love him. Tell him that you love him. However you worship. Sing songs. Take your hymnal. Sing songs. That day by day. That's one of my favorite hymns. I love it. I love that. You need songs like that that are favorites. And you might sing them every morning or every week. But boy, it helps in your relationship with the Lord. Or keep that song sheet. We give you one every week. Take it with you. Fifth, need to pray to Jesus. Ask him. Help me. Lead me, guide me, encourage me, strengthen me, whatever it is. And then finally, you need to be consistent. to be faithfully and regularly getting times with him. And that's what the Lord's helped me. And might he help each of you, too, to have that regular, regular time with him. One final verse. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. In Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That's one powerful verse. In Christ... All the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. So again, when you see Christ, you say, this is God. That, that verse is true. That's the next part. And in him, you've been made complete. So, so right now, you, you've been made complete. It's not quite worked out yet. I mean, there's still aspects of your salvation that will come true in the years ahead. But that's wonderful. Thy, what Christ did on the cross for you and what he set in motion for you, your salvation, justification, sanctification, glorification, in him you've been made complete. So it's a wonderful thing to, to know Christ. It's the most important thing there is, this relationship with him, with the Lord, the Spirit. And might he help each one of us. Each one of you are a different place in your life. I know that. But say, God, take me where I'm at. Help me to grow and be all that you want. Help me to enjoy you, to love you, to worship you, not have any idols stuck in my heart that keep you from being front and center. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We bless you for your great love for us, your kindness. Took hold of us, it says in Philippians 3, because you love us, and you want to bless us, and you've forgiven us, and you've just reconciled us to yourself. Thank you so much for this. Lord, might we more and more see who you are, Lord Jesus. Might we have that heart. I want to know Christ. We have that desire, and if there's not there, something's not clicking in our heart, and God, clear, clean that out, whatever it might be of the flesh, Lord, whatever, some sin or worldliness. So help us, God. Thank you again for each one in here. Thank you for those listening online. Lord, just might your blessing be to each one of us here. You want to bless us in a spiritual way. It says that in Ephesians 1, 3. Spiritual blessings. Thank you. And might we then be ones who bless you and love you and worship you, glorify you, Lord by our thoughts and our words and by our life. Thank you again for this church. Thank you for Bethel. Pray for your blessing upon them. Lead them and have them do all that you want. Thank you for their work for you, God. Just again, lead us and our lives and our church, our families and congregations. We serve you as we do all that you want. Just thank you again now for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time we'll have our communion time. Singers can come up.
invite you to stand for our communion song. Um, as, G, as, as pastors just shared about loving Christ, the uh, communion is a time to remember all he has done for us, the forgiveness of our sins. It's an amazing thought, uh, the very first lines of this chorus. You didn't wait for me to get good enough. You clothed yourself in humanity and came down to save me, and I'm forever grateful. You did not wait for me to draw near to you. But you clothe yourself in frail humanity. You did not wait for me to cry out to you. But you let me hear your voice calling me. And I'm forever grateful to you. I'm forever grateful. For the cross, I'm forever grateful to you that you came to seek and save the lost. You did not wait for me to draw near to you. But you clothe yourself in frail humanity. You did not wait for me to cry out to you. But you let me hear your voice calling me. And I'm forever grateful to you. I'm forever grateful. I'm forever grateful to you that you came to seek and save the lost. And I'm forever grateful to you. I'm forever grateful for the cross. I'm When we talk about um, the Lord Jesus and what he did for us, uh, one way to think about it is to think about just the different things that are basically given us in the word. There's a number of words I'm going to mention. I'm not I'm sure there's more than these that describe a different aspect of salvation. I'm just going to mention them briefly. First one is redeemed, which means that, that we're bought. Uh, Christ by his death, purchased us out of sin, out of the slavery to death. So we're redeemed. We've been rescued. Secondly, we're forgiven. All our sins are, are taken away. They've been canceled. They're 
taken away, of course, by Christ. Third, we are righteous or we are justified. We're perfectly holy in the sight of God, which is an amazing thing, an encouraging thing. We're righteous. We're, again, justified. Next, we're reconciled. That idea of reconciled means that we were enemies with God and we were reconciled by what Christ did for us. So now we're friends. There's, there's no, no problems in our relationship with him. And next, I, I mentioned this just a few minutes ago, we have every spiritual blessing. And so we should never think that we don't have what we need. Every spiritual blessing. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Next, we're children of God. And the Bible makes it clear that, that either you're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Devil, And as a Christian, you're a child of God. I mean, that's, that's something. That's, that's really, really special. Think that he is our father. Next, you have eternal life. Once you're saved, you know that John 3:16 verse, you're given eternal life. You believe you have eternal life, this eternal relationship with the living God. And finally, then, you have a future. You have hope. I mean, again, I, I said this so many times, our life is 70, 80, 90 years or so, and that's it. You know, then all eternity. I said, wow, that's amazing. And we just cannot fathom that in our little minds, what eternity is. But you, you think, we got to think about this. I'm here for these few short years and then be gone, and I don't know how our minds will think in heaven if we'll look back and say, man, that was such a short time. But God's given us eternal life. He's given us this future that he has for us. So we're blessed by the Lord. Everything that we have as a result of salvation is a good thing. It's a blessing. And God is so grateful, so kind, so kind towards us. This time we want to just have our communion time. We always, as you know, take a few minutes just to pray before the Lord. We want our hearts right and clean. That verse in Psalm 139. Heaven and right and hold us to go. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me so that I might lead, I might live the eternal way that you have for me. So let's just, before the Lord, you can take a minute or two and pray, then I will close in prayer. thank you Father thank you Lord Jesus Christ thank you Holy Spirit for this wonderful work of salvation which you've done for us and we just do want to express our thanks to you today we know oftentimes we're not that thankful we'd be thankful every day because you have indeed purchased our soul out of sin out of slavery of death out of hell thank you thank you so much for that and so Lord we just bless you now lead us as we take this cup and take this bread In Jesus name Amen 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
in the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Again, Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you so much for each one here. Thank you most of all, though, for you, who you are, all that you've given us, this life and the, the life to come, the future, the kingdom ages to come. We thank you for that. Just help us not to be ones who continue to remember you. Lord, this isn't just to be a monthly thing, really a daily thing. Just remember you, and we thank you, and we're just grateful to you for who you are and what you've done for us. We bless you now. pray all this in Jesus' name. Morning activity wise uh, coming up. We've got a Bible study. Uh, John 18 will be what they'll be looking at. I believe that's this week, the uh, 10th. Um, two Saturdays uh, from yesterday, we'll have a work day if you're available to come out in the morning from 8 to noon. May the 20th will be work day. Get some projects done around here uh, if you're able to come. And then uh, three Sundays away will be a Matthew meal. So just put those on your calendar. And I mentioned, I believe, a week or two ago that Bethel, uh, that shares the church with us here at the property, uh, they, they will be having a vacation Bible school coming up in June. Uh, I think that's the fifth, the week of the fifth. And they uh, have the ch- kid, kids come in between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m., do some Bible study with them, and they'll have a meal for each uh, each evening. So ways you might get involved if you're interested, uh, just to volunteer to help. That could be uh, possibly bringing some food one night. Um, if it's mac and cheese night or whatever it is, uh, they would be, I'm sure, glad to have that. Or if you want to just uh, give money to to them to uh, spend on the kids, that's that's great also. So. Um, I think just a check uh, out to Bethel would be sufficient or uh, bring cash in an envelope to, to give to them. So keep those in mind if you want to. Uh, that'll be a blessing for their church. And now we have our last song. Oop, go ahead. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Bible study time, yeah. Excellent. Okay. Keep that in mind. Great. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. So now we have our last song, and then offering-wise, you can give on the uh, uh, table in the back, the box there, or mail it in, or give online. Thank you. wonder if they're going to have cookies and Kool-Aid for the adults at night, too. We'll have to see. <laughs> I remember that about Vacation Bible School. Stand for our last song, if you would, together. It's a great hymn. Um, as we were practicing as a group, I noticed our group is not as familiar with it. Maybe you haven't sang this one a lot, but it's a great hymn that talks about Jesus Christ being the embodiment of God and all of his character. 
love divine, all loves excelling. from 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass amen